What's up, guys? The first week of the World Golf Tour Challenge is officially over, and we have a winner to announce. From Twitter, at Iowa Avs fan, put the ball within a foot of the hole. I believe the official number was 0.77 feet from the hole. So he took down the first week's competition. If you are listening, Iowa Avs fan, go ahead and email in to contact us to get your prize. You're going to send an email over to Lynn Lindsay at the dnbr.com. That's L-Y-N-D-S-E-Y at the dnbr.com. Just send in, let her know that you are the winner and you can select your prize of either a free shirt or a gift card from a local restaurant. For this week, we have another challenge. Again, you have to go to freewgt.com to start and be a part of this. You have to download the game from freewgt.com to participate. Once you've done that, head on over to the closest to the whole challenge. And this week, we're selecting the Valhalla Golf Course and hole number three on the challenge, the third challenge, to get closest to the hole. Once again, same as last week play get as close to the hole as you can submit your score by taking a screenshot and sending it in either to info at the dnvr.com or tagging us on twitter even if you don't get that close still submit your score because it will get you a raffle ticket for the big draw at the end of all this every single week you can earn a raffle ticket and at the end you'll have a chance to win tickets to a game or if you're out of state the jersey of your choice so head to freewgt.com and download the game now and try to win evan i'm sure will try and get in on it as well i have not yet played the hole but I plan on doing a little better than I did last week. Not sure I'll be able to get it inside a foot, but we'll try it out. Anyway, let's hop into the show. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole. A left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scores. Nathan McKinnon. Cole J.T. Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon. My goodness gracious. <laughs> Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. They have 17 Colorado locations and you can visit any one of them and use their express checkout to get in and out as fast as possible or head to mygreensolution.com to order online for pickup and you can use code DNVR20 for 20% off your purchase. I'm Nathan Rudolph. With me today back on the show is Evan Rowell. We're going to go ahead and jump into what has not been been a great week and a half two weeks for the avalanche here evan how you doing i am okay the last two abs games have actually literally made me ill so i'm on i'm recovering but i'll be fine uh other than that doing pretty good yeah that that response to the last two abs games is unfortunately appropriate isn't it yeah <laughs> um yeah, I we'll get into the negativity. There's a lot of it going around. Obviously, the Avs are on a four-game losing streak, but I did want to start off with what is something that the Avs are doing right currently? What is the best thing about this team through this rough patch? 
Right now, I would say the best thing about this team is, unf- I mean, I want to say the fourth line, but they're now like the second line just based yeah. on how much they're playing. Right. They just keep doing their thing. Uh, they're keeping the puck down low. Calvert has been a monster pretty much all year long. Uh, and I mean, they're doing exactly what they need to do. They're just playing a little bit too much right now, but uh, they're doing exactly what they need to do. And right now they're the only real, I would say, consistent part of this team. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty accurate. When you look at the Avs possession numbers, a lot of them look really gross. But then even in, in bad Avs losses, that line is well above 50% Corsi 4 and really controlling the play when they're on the ice, which is something that the Avs have struggled to do, particularly when the game is close. Yeah, and you saw last game where they moved Nieto up to the top line. And it was just like, oh, okay, maybe that's a little too much. You just kind of saw him get some chances and fumble them. So it's best to just keep those guys together and let them do their thing. But they're playing great. Belmar's, uh, I think he's getting better in the faceoff circle, which you know I kind of expected because he's normally very good at it, and he just hasn't been so far this year. But they're plugging along, and they're doing what they can to keep the abs in these games. Yeah, I I do think we're seeing the storing, scoring rather start to normalize for them a little bit, which another thing that's not unexpected. But even if they're not putting the puck in the back of the net, they're certainly forcing play into the offensive zone. You mentioned Nieto moving up to that top line. Not probably ideal, but this is something the entire Avs lineup is dealing with. With these injuries to Landeskog and Rantanen and Lesser Wilson, but him as well. We're really seeing a lot of mixing and matching in that forward core, and it's hard to find an answer right now, but what have you seen, or or what would you like the Avs to try as far as mixing that up? Well, I'm glad they got Kadri back at center because... Oh, sorry, Kadri back at center because uh, he just did not look comfortable at wing, and there didn't seem to be a ton of immediate chemistry there with him and McKinnon, so I'm glad they got him back together, uh, or back at center there. So beyond that, I mean, I understand why he's mixing and matching because nothing's really working if the problem is that he's mixing and matching almost every period so there's a new line out there every period so no one's really gaining any chemistry at this point so uh i it's i wouldn't know what to say at this point i would say maybe the one thing i would give a shot is just see if burakovsky and mckinnon can find some chemistry that's the one thing that has not been given too much of a chance since preseason and uh burakovsky kind of needs a boost right now yeah, it, it does seem lacking, I would say. And is Bednar being a bit too aggressive with swapping those lines in and out? It's kind of a give and take, right? They're not generating chemistry, but when you start every game by going down two goals and getting crushed in the first period, what do you do? Yeah, yeah a coach is naturally going to do something when you've scored one goal in the last two games. So uh, I understand why he's doing it. It's just maybe best to find some uh, consistent lines that you can keep together for a little bit. AJ and I have talked about maintaining kind of pairings quite a bit. You see Belmar and Calvert kept together, even though Nieto was promoted. Is that something they can work on continuing up the lineup, keeping up players like Comfer and Jost together or or Kadri and Donskoy or however you want to run it? Yeah, I guess the thing with the rest of the team is that I'm, I guess Kadri and Donskoy, I do like them together. Uh, Beyond that, I don't know if there's too many pairs I would be committed to. McKinnon, I don't think there's a... Uh, without Lannis Coggin or Rantanen, I don't think there's any clear guy that I would want to stick with him all the time. I would say maybe give Burakovsky that shot, like I mentioned. But Comfer and Jost, I don't, I'm not 
stuck on them being together. Uh, they had one good game where they produced this year, but beyond that, even going back to last year, they haven't exactly tore it up together. So it's nice to have at least I, I understand the the pairs. I would stick with that. I would get Donskoy back with Kadri. Uh, but beyond that, I, you know, I, I'm not committed to the Justin Comfort uh, duo either. Yeah, I, the Justin Comfort one is is an interesting one to me because it was something that in past seasons clearly never seemed to click. It's kind of that frat line where occasionally they would flash quality offense, but it just had zero consistency to it. I do think it's been a bit better this season and you know, maybe that's the removal of Kerfoot from that equation, but keeping Justin Comfer together seems to have functioned a little bit better. I think Comfer is playing a bit more of a well-rounded game in that role this season, but it's give and take there, right? Jost has had some strong games. He's had some weak games. Comfer has been a little all over the place as well when he's healthy this year. So if you're looking for consistency, I'm not sure if that's that's where it is. Yeah, and right now the Avs need anything from any of these depth guys because yeah. I mentioned in the takeaways from last game, Comfer hasn't scored, scored a goal since opening night. Jost is pointless since his hat-trick game. Burakovsky, I think, has one point in his last seven games. So at this point, they need anything that they can get from those guys to help them win a game because you can already see McKinnon is – He's not showing a lot of faith in who he's playing with. He's trying to do everything himself, so they need somebody else to help him out. All right. Well, pour one out for the lack of depth scoring for the Avs over these last couple of games, and it's time to acknowledge the official beer of DNVR in Breckenridge Brewery. They have teamed up with Never Summer to run an awesome event coming this Friday, November 8th from 6 to 11 p.m., at Punchbolt Social here in Denver. Snow is in the air and already on the ground, and the mountains are calling everyone's name, so it's time to have a party for opening day of the ski and snowboard season. This year, there's going to be a ton of bands hanging out, playing some sweet music, including Denver Legends, The Gin Doctors, which will be crushing your favorite 90s hits, and you can even get a chance to take the stage and do some live karaoke as well. Stay tuned for the sign-up. There's going to be a bunch of awesome opportunities at this event, including the chance to win an amazing snowboard designed by Jamie Molina, as well as epic passes for the season if you are a big skier or snowboarder. And you can even watch Never Summer's new film premiere as well so keep it locked in and and take a look at this event i highly recommend it not only breck brew but never summer it's the best of both worlds if you're into that kind of mountain type adventuring back to the avs a four game losing streak obviously hurts but can you write it off at least to some extent, given the injuries, given the hot start? This hasn't completely cratered the abs, at least in my opinion. It hasn't cratered them, but it almost, if you look at the standings, their hot start is almost, I don't want to say irrelevant now, but everyone seems to have caught up to them in points. So it is tough. Um, I wouldn't write it off because we've seen in the past that this team, uh, you look at last year, they play without Ranton and Landis Cog and they, powered into the playoffs and I think they went undefeated down the stretch so they've done it in the past so it is a little bit disappointing that they're not doing it right now uh I would say the most disappointing part is just how they're playing and I would say after the Dallas game I've never heard Bednar be as upset as he actually was 
after that game. He was he was furious. Yeah, and I mean, clearly Bednar's complaint was not playing the full 60 after that game. And then the Avs immediately come out against Arizona the next night and get completely squashed in the first period. Again, failed to start the game on time. And what what's it going to take? What do they need to figure out to, to get that game in gear from initial puck drop? I think they just need something to, I mean, something just good to happen. Uh, they've gotten down early in these games and they can't, they don't have the firepower right now to come back. So yeah. getting, getting a lead would be really nice. I would say the biggest thing that they need right now, uh, we talked a little bit. I mean, I mentioned that they went undefeated last year without ranting in. A lot of that was Tyson Berry. Uh, they need some help from the defense to kind of pick it up offensively. Right now, it's just Makar picking up a lot of secondary points, uh, and he's playing a lot better. I was other than the Arizona game where nobody really played that great. He's playing a lot better, but they need kind of that second wave of offense to step in and maybe supplement some of these offensive guys that are struggling. Yeah, I agree with that. Obviously, McCarr's production is fine. Could certainly use a little bit more production out of Sam Gerrard. I think Eric Johnson especially has basically completely dropped all of his production this year. Yeah, somehow one point. In, yeah, one, one point is in 14 games is just not the EJ we've come to know. And when you consider how much he's out there and, you know, he's starting a lot in the offensive zone because he plays with Gerrard, so... It it's disappointing that I mean you would think he would at least fluke into an assist or something here by now. Yeah, I mean certainly his role is a bit different this year. He's playing more defensively, but Ian Cole has found his way to six assists. So yeah, it, the points are out there. Yeah, they're out there. I, I did like the way he was moving in Arizona. It seemed like he was had a little bit more jump in his step, but uh, it's not just him. Uh, Ryan Graves doesn't have a point uh, that's not on an empty net this year. Yeah, uh, Z is, you know, he can provide some offense. We've seen it in the past. Uh, I think he's pointless in the last little while. So, um, and then my biggest issue with Gerard, obviously, is that he creates stuff and then he passes it off. I, you just want to see him be a little bit more aggressive when he's got the puck in the slot. For sure. I, that is a little bit frustrating with him for me, too, because I do think he's one of the F's best defenders at skating into space. Then he just doesn't use it, does he? <laughs> yeah. Well, there was that play in Dallas where he was skating. He made a great move at the blue line, skating right down the slot, and he passes it off to EJ, who's backing into the corner for a one timer. And it's just like, come on, you take that shot. That's what you yeah. want to see. Yeah, one hundred percent. So it does seem like the Avs' scoring has unfortunately been knocked down a couple of tax brackets. So. There's a new alternative for addressing your tax needs. Symbio Tax and Administration provides its clients with honest and knowledgeable tax services from a licensed professional. You guys know we're all about taking care of our own, and George over at Symbio Tax is a proud DNBR subscriber and diehard Avs fan. Whether you have a small business, you're looking to rent out a room in your house, or if you just need to get your tax return filed, go to a qualified professional to understand your tax requirements. Don't end up at one of those retail tax chains. Call Symbiotax today for a free consultation at 720-366-4470 or visit them at Symbiotax.com. That's S-Y-M-B-I-O-Tax.com. We'll wrap the first segment there and we will be back to talk more abs. Unfortunately, probably their special teams are coming up.
Second segment of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. I am Rudo. He is Evan. We're talking about the Avs' struggles over this four-game losing streak. The power play. It's a thing. It actually started off this losing streak fairly okay, scoring two goals in six attempts in their first loss. But since then, has gone one for 11 and has given up a shorthanded goal. It's completely fallen apart. The Avs are leaning extremely heavily on Nathan McKinnon floating out to the point and taking this wrist shot and just hoping it gets all the way through to the net. And it worked for a minute, but it seems to have been countered at this point. Yeah, and oh man, was it so bad in that Dallas game. It yeah. was just awful. And it wasn't even in the zone. Was, they couldn't even get in the zone. That was the problem. Everything, everything was just off. They couldn't make any passes and... Obviously, they had that shorthanded goal against. Uh, it's probably very easy for the other team to defend this power play right now because no Rantanen on the other side. Landis Cog's not in front. Everyone knows where that puck's going, and they know who's shooting. So uh, it's pretty easy to defend when you know what, what's going to happen. Yeah, and look, McKinnon's a, a great player, may well be on track for a Hall of Fame type of career, but... He doesn't have an Alex Ovechkin shot. He's not just going to beat you regularly when everyone knows it's coming. Well, the thing is, he actually does have a good one-timer. He just never uses it. Uh, he will hold up and just look for that wrist shot. So I would actually love it if they just set him up for one-timers and let him launch it because that's something you know he can do, and he just he seems like he'd rather take a different shot. So Yeah. Uh, I mean, the other issue, I, they can't really decide on who they want running that power play. One minute it's Gerard, and then the next minute it's Makar, and they keep yeah. flip-flopping back and forth. So uh, they have to have some consistency there. And um, I actually didn't mind the second unit in a couple of those games, so it's a little different there. Different look there, but uh, yeah, they got to get this figured out. It's It it really wasn't looking that good with Ranton and Landis Cog, and now it looks really bad without those guys. Yeah, the... The issue I have with it is the regular unwillingness to shoot, not just the one-timer for McKinnon, but people will collect the puck. The other night against uh, Arizona, they were completing the seam pass. They were getting the seam pass through, and then the player would just collect the puck and, and hold on to it for a second and then maybe shoot or maybe just continue the passing play. And when your power play is effectively doing the thing it's designed to do and you're not taking advantage of it, then what's the point? Yeah, well, I think that Burakovsky chance was a power play chance where he was alone in front, and instead of one-timing it, he just collected it and yeah. allowed Kemper to get in a get in a, get in a position. So um, maybe that's a sign he's lost a little bit of confidence, but uh, it seems like they might be thinking too much out there. Definitely. Definitely feels like they're spinning their wheels a little bit on the power play side. It's a bit frustrating, too, because they've done a great job of, of drawing penalties over the past couple of games. Kadri has drawn four or five, I think, in the last three games, but he draws one and everyone just kind of groans and goes, great, now we're definitely not going to score. Yeah, and then and then he wins every face-off to start yeah. the, the power play and they can't do anything. So it's uh, it's frustrating right now and they got to get it figured out. Uh It'd be nice if they tried a different setup, but they seem pretty committed to what they're doing right now. By the way, have you ever seen anything like Kadri getting tossed like 15 times in a row at the end of that game? Like, that was the weirdest thing ever. Uh, 
I mean, there's definitely if you're good at faceoffs, you tend to cheat a little bit. But yeah, he definitely got kicked out probably more than I've ever seen. Uh, you don't normally see guys like Bergeron get kicked out like that because they have. I think Kadri just has a reputation that unfortunately he can't get rid of. So uh, that was rough because that you know they might have been able if he's taking the faceoff, you know they're going to probably win the faceoff and get a chance there. So played a bigger role in the game than you probably would have expected. Am I am I just reading too much into this here? Or? Sure, Kadri cheats. Every good face-up guy cheats plenty. But once they get thrown out a couple of times, there's usually a dialogue there, right? The guy getting thrown out is going to be asking the linesman, hey, why are you throwing me out? What do I need to do so I don't get tossed out? And that just never seemed to happen. Yeah, and when I was watching those face-offs, it didn't seem like he was doing anything egregious. It almost seemed like he was him and the opposing players were going down at the same time. So I really don't even know what he was doing to get kicked out of the way that he was. So definitely frustrating. And you saw that what did McKinnon just smash his stick on the glass? Yeah. Yeah. With the last one with like 10 seconds left or whatever. So everyone was getting frustrated. It wasn't just Kadri. Yeah. Just a weird situation that I kind of came up on the other side, the abs penalty kill. I don't think it's been that bad. I think it's functioning, but when the peak when the power play is so weak and the PK is is giving up close to a goal a game, it just doesn't add up well, does it? Yeah, and they essentially gave up two goals in that Arizona game. The the, yeah. the third goal was like two seconds after Eric Johnson got back on the ice, but it was a power, it was essentially a power play goal. So um Ian Cole had a rough weekend. And he sure did. That Arizona game kind of highlighted that. He seemed to completely lose the puck on the first goal, and then he kind of lost his man's stick in front there, so that kind of led to the goal. And then um, I don't think it was just him on the back door that should be covering. I think he's got to get some help from the forward there. But uh, there's that cross-ice pass that we saw a lot last year that just came back to haunt the Avs in that Arizona game. So um, I do think the penalty kill has been a little bit better of late. But, uh, yeah, when you're not – when you're missing guys and you're not scoring a ton of goals, you pretty much need to kill everything off as much as you can. I think the Ian Cole situation really exposed one of my big concerns with the Avs for years now, but it's going to continue being one with Francois as the backup. Francois has always been a little bit loose with his rebounds and when you have a goalie like that, you need to have strong defenders net front to clean up that area. Cole is supposed to be that guy on the Avs, and if he's not doing it, it's basically a free-for-all in front of him, and it's going to get ugly. Yeah, uh, and Z, that's not Z's specialty either. So right. uh, a lot of those guys, if you know, if they struggle in front of their net, and it seems like um, Arizona has tried to attack that in both games because they just launch everything at the net. So um, that's something to keep an eye on. The one thing I have a problem with on the penalty kill is, you know, you look, I, I put a stat out there. I mean, I think after that Cole penalty in the um, in the Dallas game, it was him, Z, and Landis Cog had combined for 51% of their minor penalties. So when those guys are in the box, the Avs only will play three defensemen on the penalty kill. So usually someone's out there the full two minutes. Uh, if you look at that Arizona goal that came two seconds after the power play ended, Z was out there the full two minutes because EJ was in the box and they didn't, 
they don't trust Gerard and Makar to play on the penalty kill right now, or they just want to save them for after the power for after the power plays over. So I would like to see them, you know, maybe put those guys out there because you expend a lot of energy on the penalty kill, and Z looked gassed at the end of the pen. He got uh, goaded into trying to block the shot, and that opened up the lane. So um, I would like to see them maybe trust those other guys a little bit more on the penalty kill, even though they're not your standard penalty killers, I think they can do the job just fine. Bednar, certainly not unaccustomed to overplaying certain players in situations a little bit, they, for sure. They have a type for who they like on the penalty kill. Um, and it's the bigger guys that can kind of take up space. But, you know, the reality is, I mean, I even Tyson Berry, when he played on the penalty kill, he wasn't that bad because he can read plays and pick things off. So... Um, I think Gerard would do just fine if they gave him a shot on the penalty kill. I've been asking for Gerard to play PK since before the season started, so I'm with you on that one. Um, I It is a bit interesting that three players take up 50% of the Avs penalties, and then you look at all three of those players and you go, oh, all three of those players, PK. Yeah. Not, not a great connection in that regard. No, and yeah, I mean... It's especially with Z and Cole. They're taking a lot of these penalties. Hey, we we got to give Z credit. He went two games without a penalty. I think that's the first time he's done that all year. But Cole filled in for him. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, they traded off there. They said you take the penalties tonight. So um, <laughs> yeah, I, they I think they just got to show a little bit more faith. And I think a lot of it is that they are trying to hold on, kill the penalty, and then just throw turn and burn out there. But at this point, I think you just got to show some faith because you can't. It's not easy to kill penalties and to be out there for a full two minutes when you're working hard and trying to cover a lot of players in a lot of space, you're going to get tired and you can make mental mistakes when you're exhausted. Yeah, 100% a a situation that I'm sure the Avs weren't expecting to find themselves in when when it comes to that type of thing, having lost so many bodies on the forward side, but it does it does seem like it could be managed a bit better we'll put it that way but we'll go ahead and get out of here for this second segment but first an incredible deal here if you're looking for that breckenridge brewery but you don't want to leave your own home you can go to totalbev.com and they are offering 30 that's right 30 for the DNVR fam, 30% off your purchase of $75 or more when you use code DNVR2019. You can check out online or on the Total Beverage app, which you can download today. And as you may or may not know, Total Beverage delivers to the entire metro area from Lakewood to Boulder and Aurora to Brighton. Plus, they have the lowest prices in the state. And beyond that, they now offer CBD products. From drinks to gummies, you can enjoy CBD products on your next visit as well. Don't let this offer pass you by. Order today and receive 30% off your purchase of $75 or more. And better yet, don't leave the comfort of your home and get it delivered. Cheers. Third and final segment of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. I'm still Rudo. He's still Evan. If you want to help us out, my code is Rudo, but his code is Raul. That's R-A-W-A-L. If you're considering signing up for a DNVR membership, now is really the time to do it. It's the most Avalanche content I think I've seen anywhere. We have four plus pieces, whether it's video audio, article, written, quote pieces, whatever you want to call it, you name it. We've got the Avalanche coverage after every single game, and even when they're not playing, 
we still produce a ton of stuff that I love it all. Obviously, I'm a little bit biased, but I think it really is some of the great content out there. And DNVR is running a little bit of an internal competition here where whoever gets the most memberships signed up ends up winning a year's supply of Breckenridge Brewery. You know we both want to win that, and I think... AJ and I have already agreed. I'm assuming, Evan, you're in on this as well. If any one of us managed to take the top, we're going to go ahead and share it between all of the Avs guys. I, I'm down with that. I, I have a toddler, so I'll take all the alcohol I can get. Everything <laughs> else. So, um, yeah, I'm, I've exhausted all my friends lists with two. So uh, if anyone wants to subscribe, use my code. There you go. So the Av squad is we're joining together to to form a super team to try and get this Breck brew. So yeah, we got to take down these Nuggets guys. They're killing. I know they're just destroying it still. So Raul, Rudo, or AJ, even though AJ's code is not on the show today, any one of us annual membership or longer counts for us. We really appreciate the support if you are willing. And let's go ahead and and get into the Avs here. From this four-game losing streak, what is the biggest takeaway for you that the Avs can correct? Well, I really think that they should probably think about just locking it down defensively. Uh, yeah. They're not; they're just not going to outscore all these teams with the lack of talent they have and the fact that they have now gone back to a fourth line that they don't even want to play. So they're going to be relying heavily on three lines. So... I really think the easiest thing they can do is just lock it down defensively and try to win some tight games until those guys come back. Uh, the goalies, I think, generally have been fine. Uh, Grubauer was good against Dallas. I know some people, the first goal I didn't like, I, I, some people had a problem with the breakaway goal. I really didn't have a problem with it. Uh, but Francis, same, the set, he gave up a bad goal in Arizona, but other than that, he did all he could to keep the Avs in that game in the first period because they were getting walloped. Uh, but I think they just got to lock it down defensively, and it sucks because you want to win high-scoring games and they're exciting to watch, but you got to do what you got to do to win games right now, and I think that might be just tightening up defensively. Yeah, I agree with you. Is there Can we physically attach Grubauer's stick to his pads, though? Because... Yes. That'd be nice. Uh, that was like a half-hearted attempt. It was like he, he tried to do it, and then he's like, oh, no. He, <laughs> he got caught halfway through. So yeah. it would be nice if you could just attach it to him and um, make sure that he's not trying to extend it out there a little bit more. Uh, because that's you look at all the goals that you've given up this year, that's like a handful of them. Yeah, it really is a surprising amount. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the reality of the NHL, especially when you're down on talent. Sometimes you have to play some boring hockey to win hockey games, and that's certainly what Dallas and Arizona have done. Yeah, I was just going to say, Dallas, oh man, that game on Friday was just not exciting to watch. They know how they have to win games, and I'm sure we're in for more of that tomorrow against, you know, in their building. That's just yeah. what they do, and that's how they have, they've turned their season around a little bit just doing that. The the one thing that gives me hope in playing Dallas again tomorrow for the Avs is... Yachushkin's going to score? No, that's never going to happen. I've accepted okay. that as part of part of life. But when the Dallas does play that trap-style system, that very slow-paced, methodical thing, the Avs have footage of that from less than a week ago, directly against this roughly the same lineup. 
you can dig into that and you can find the weaknesses and take advantage of it. And as soon as you start to expose those weaknesses, a whole structured system like that can fall apart very quickly. Yeah, it is tough in the NHL when you play to the same team twice within the same week to beat them both uh, in both those games because teams get video and they adjust a little bit. So I would hope the Avs come out with a little different game plan, a little bit cleaner game because they were very sloppy in that Dallas game. So uh, that, yeah, I would definitely agree. There's, they've got the tape, they know what to expect and uh, just got to clean up some things. Yeah, that's, it's got to be cleaned up on the offensive side. Cover right? Rupe Hints because that's yeah, all they geez. have right now. I know. <laughs> the puck goes to Hints and he's got a mile of room to skate in on both goals. And it's like, oh, no. Yeah, he can fly. The It is a bit interesting that their top stars aren't producing on Dallas's side as much as they had hoped. So I do wonder... Being on the road, Dallas gets last change. How does Bednar try and manage those matchups? Yeah, he did, he really doesn't seem to try to manage those too much on the road. Uh, a little bit more at home. I watch him just kind of control the bench and who he wants to put out there. But on the road, he doesn't seem to play these matchups too much. So I don't think he's going to mess around with it too much. Uh, that was something I was looking forward to during that road trip. And he just kind of keeps rolling the same guys out there. Uh, I would expect to see McKinnon get double shifted after two days off. So yeah. he's going to be playing a lot tomorrow would be my expectation. Yeah, I, McKinnon, especially given how averse they've been to playing both Magna and Nachushkin, they're basically creating McKinnon, sometimes Kamenev, plus a guy as the fourth line. Yeah, and that's how Nachushkin's going to score. McKinnon's going to just launch it off his chest or something. <laughs> He's gonna score uh, in his old build his old building. I'm not I'm not convinced, but it would be very poetic to go fifty seven games with Dallas without scoring and then get one on them in the end. Yeah. I mean that I was telling AJ at the game the other night, that's how he's gonna score. It's just gonna, it's not gonna be a nice goal, it's just gonna be off of some random body part and it's just gonna yeah. barely touch him. The goal that technically touched him, yeah. <laughs> it was like when Bordolo used to score all those goals, just bouncing off body parts. Hey, Kerfoot had that talent too. Yeah, it's a good talent to have. Get your money. <laughs> yeah, it'll get you paid pretty well if you just can stand there and take pucks bouncing off of you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, looking at the goaltending situation, you kind of mentioned it. Grubauer is still the man here. He's really played quite well outside of the weird poke check moments. The Avs need him to stay consistent until the health comes back on the forward side because if he starts to give a little bit, like you said, so, so hard for this team to come back once they fall behind, given the talent disparity. Yeah. And, you know, bearing something coming up, like where if he plays poorly, I think he's going to play a lot in the next couple of weeks because they yeah. have a pretty spread out schedule. So he's going to play a, a pretty big role in how they, uh, how they can turn this around here. Cause I, like I said, I think he's been pretty good, and I think he's been good all year. Uh, and, I, you know, he seems to be embracing the idea of being that number one guy. So uh, I think he's going to be a big part of this uh, moving forward here and just uh, keep that stick attached to his body. But I wouldn't be surprised. You know, I'm looking at the schedule now. that They don't have another back-to-back for three and a half weeks. So 
I, I kind of expect him to play most, if not all, of these games coming up. You would have to think so. I mean, there's no reason not to ride him, and, and no no knock to Frankie here either. Frankie has played very well in that backup role, but the Avs need to squeeze kind of every drop they can right now. Yeah, and if you look at the Avs schedule the last couple weeks, it's been kind of one game and then a back-to-back. So Gruby's not really been able to get into that rhythm the last couple weeks, so I think this will be a good way to get him back into that rhythm that he was in the start of the year. It is a bit of a a long start to November. Avs have this Dallas away game, then they have two home games, Nashville and Columbus, then they go on a five-game road trip before finally kind of seeing their schedule settle down and, and being at home a bit more regularly after that. So if they can kind of just continue to get through November, get healthy again, at least with Rantanen and hopefully Landis Gog sooner after that, sometime in December, if they're still sitting in a decent spot in the playoffs in the central division, that seems like it's good enough. Yeah. They've, uh, they've still got a decent lead in that division. So I would say the Pacific's been a little bit better than I expected. So, uh, they definitely got to focus on being top three in their division. So they've, you know, they've got, they've got to string together some points here. That's why that Florida game, even though they lost and you expect them to win, to at least get a point out of it is is something considering how poorly things have been going. So uh, the schedule is, you know, this is what players want. They want to get into a rhythm. So these three games a week where you get a day off and you're playing the next game, that's kind of what they want. So uh, I would hope that getting into a rhythm here is, you know, going to get them back into a groove. Just to kind of run down the central division really quick, St. Louis is at the top with 21 points, but they abs have a game in hand on them. Abs are tied with Nashville with 18 points in second place. And then you have to drop all the way down to Winnipeg with 16 points. And again, another team the abs have a game in hand on. So yes, it's not the six, seven point cushion they had to start the season because of their hot start, but they're still in a relatively comfortable position at this point in the year. Yeah. Things are just fine. Uh, I don't know how long the recovery is going to be for some of these guys, but you know, the start of the year definitely gave them a, a big jump up on everyone because even Dallas, they've been on a run here. They're still three points back of the abs and they play a couple more games. So uh, if you went tomorrow, you kind of extend that gap a little bit more. So I think tomorrow is going to be a big one for the abs. Yeah, I I agree there. It's Again, the closer to 500 hockey you can play when you're missing your main talents, the more okay it becomes. And obviously, you'd love to play well above that, but it's just not realistic. No, you just got to hold it down for as long as you can. And they've got to find different ways to win. They're winning. You know, I think we all agreed that they were winning at the start of the year, despite not playing their best. They were winning on talent alone. So uh, I would think the next couple of weeks, they've maybe got to change things up because uh, find different ways to win and just because you can't just run and gun these teams without written in Landis Cog. Yeah. Their whole setup of depth gets kind of screwed up by losing those two, because all of a sudden the matchups are all much harder. I think it's I'm, Bednar before the trip said they were going to call somebody up and I guess they've just decided not to do that. So they're okay with Magna playing what in Dallas, he played like two minutes. So well, less than four. Yeah. 
uh, you know, if that's the first call up that they have selected and they just don't even trust him, you know, when is the next guy going to play? Yeah, it's pretty clear they don't really trust anyone to take significant minutes as far as a call up is concerned. Uh, the the good news or the optimistic way to look at it is if they're not calling someone else up, hey, maybe a Colin Wilson is, is close to returning then. Yeah, and who knows what's even wrong with him. He just gets hurt randomly. Yeah, every mysteriously time. disappears yeah. for a while. Because if you put him on the fourth line, maybe they trust them to play a little bit more so you're not throwing McKinnon out there 25 minutes a game. That's true. Because he is, he is a solid, honestly, middle six piece for this team. He's not going to produce out the wazoo or anything, but he at least has some trust. Yeah, and if you look at his numbers, like nothing happens when he's out there. It's usually nothing bad is going to happen. So a coach as a fourth liner is going to trust that guy. So yep, would change the dynamic a little bit on the offense. So there you go. A bit of an interesting Monday show. Evan, any final thoughts to give? <sighs> they need a win. I think they got to win tomorrow. Uh, Nachushkin's going to lead them to paradise. I'm just kidding. I don't (laughs) think he's going to do that. Yeah, I don't know about Nachushkin, but they do need a win. The four-game losing streak is something you can manage. That starts getting into five or even six, and then they're in trouble. Yeah, I think a a couple days off is going to be good for them. uh, Yeah, I think they definitely need to. I don't expect it to be a high-scoring game again, just the way Dallas plays, but... Uh, I think they definitely need to get this one tomorrow. And I think the key will be if a defense can chip in offensively and help out because that would be huge. There you go. Hopefully the defense can serve up a couple of goals for the abs and they can take down the W. And at the same time, Piper Electric has been serving the Denver metro area since 1983. Through a commitment to customer service and team performance, Piper Electric is the hometown electrical contractor you can trust. If you call 303-646-6765, they'll give you the DNBR hookup and save you 20% off your next service call. No job is too big or too small for Piper Electric. They work with a top professionalism and integrity in the biz, whether it's residential, commercial, or industrial work. Don't forget, you have to call 303-646-6765 to receive 20% off your next service call. It's going to do it for us. As always, thank you for listening. We also have a watch party coming tomorrow for the Dallas game at the DU Pioneer. I will be there hanging out. I think Evan is going to try and make it as well. So come on out, come have a good time with us, drink some of those Breck brews, and hopefully watch the Avs pick up a W. Well, yeah, I'll be there. There we go. Watch them get a big win with Nachushkin leading the way. The Avs need the energy. Everybody needs to show up to get that W. Uh, Yeah, that's going to do it for us. And you will hear from us tomorrow, whether on the pod or at the watch party.